Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Directed by Peyton Reed, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is the superhero film based on Marvel Comics featuring the titular characters and is the sequel to Ant-Man from 2015 and Ant-Man and the Wasp from 2018. The movie is in cinemas now, but if you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our review. We will be talking spoilers. Produced by Marvel Studios, this is the 31st film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the first of Phase 5. Jason, you have the plot. Scott Lang, Ant-Man, played by Paul Rudd and Hope Van Dyne, or Wasp, uh, played by Evangeline Lilly, with Hope's parents, Jeanette Van Dyne, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Hank Pym, Michael Douglas, and Scott's daughter, Cassie Lang, Catherine Newton, find themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures and facing off against Kang the Conqueror, who was played by Jonathan Majors. Where to start with this one? You watched this before I did. The day that I was going to watch it, I shared with you my excitement level was sitting at about a two out of five. I was watching. That's pretty low. That's pretty low. I know. Not even a three. Not <laughs> even like middle ground. I was like, I'd seen the early trailers. The TV spots feels like they are all, almost always on. And I've been seeing glimpses and it's Paul Rudd and, you know, everybody's back, but nothing about this film was getting me excited at all. I mean, it's the third Ant-Man film, but a big departure from those first two films, which the first one, especially a much smaller film, a heist film. This what I knew of it before watching it felt more Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, Love and Thunder. It very much had had that vibe. So I just, I don't know, I wasn't that excited, but I knew, well, I was going to watch it anyway because it's a, it's a Marvel movie, you know? You know? No, look, I mean, we... We re, me and the wife, we rewatched the uh, the first two Ant Man films in eager anticipation. And look, you know, like the Ant Man films haven't been high on my list of like you know top tier Marvel, but they're definitely enjoyable. They're definitely fun, and no pun intended, but like the smaller scale types of films that they've been, you know, like the the Ant Man character wasn't really saving the world and doing crazy Avenger level stuff until, you know, Avengers Endgame. Like we, we saw that progression of that character, but those movies were sort of their own thing. They were fun, a little bit goofy, but like you said, like that first one in particular, it's a heist film. And this is even elements in that second film. It's a heist film set in San Francisco. It's, you know, it's, it's very, relatable you know in a way it's like it's a movie about a guy his daughter trying to do the right thing doing what he needs to do to sort of keep that relationship going and he sort of becomes a reluctant superhero because of that when we get to this film i mean it's a huge departure like 80 percent of this movie is set 
inside the quantum realm. It's where we're talking heavy sci-fi elements, um, lots of concepts that you know for the average movie girl, you're probably they'd probably be like, "What is what is this? Like, what's the what's that thing with the you know like where there's like thousands of Ant Man's the I forget what they call it the probability." thingamabob it's like what's that all about that's all mind-boggling stuff and you know like as you know sci-fi lovers you think we'd be like this is really exciting this is crazy but i think at the end of the day like i think what i'm looking for is it's just the sensibilities that those first two ant-man's films brought i am just glad that look in this movie you do still get a little bit of that humor that those movies had you know like the sort of the cheekiness the goofiness having said that there might be a case here where it's like, I think maybe this movie is a little bit too goofy, especially in the first half. Wow. There we go. Um, <laughs> I I think... So I'll give this movie a... <laughs> <laughs> I think I did a really good job in the opening there of keeping my cards close to my chest because I'll, I'll say, I'm going to say it here. I love this film. I thoroughly, oh, wow. thoroughly enjoyed this film, but I just wanted to set the stage, like going into it, and you know, starting off in San Francisco, you know, like you say, just like those first two movies, the opening, uh, what first you think is Scott Lang narrating, is it the book signing, reading from his memoir. All of that, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is yeah. And I was like, oh, this is this is pretty, this is pretty good. And I, and I mean, I'm enjoying I, all I of this. I loved all of that. that was Paul Rudd. I mean, come on, like, who doesn't like Paul Rudd? The guy is extremely likable in everything, and and he's really likable here. When they first go to the quantum realm, that's when I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know. And it's kind of the the <laughs> dread that I was getting from those trailers, the TV spots, what I thought it was going to be. But something happened, and I just fully just embraced the quantum realm and how goofy it was. That moment you said, you know, where there's all the different possibilities and all the different Scots yeah. coming to help out, and there's one Baskin Robbins Scott, which I thought was hilarious. But just <laughs> as they're all piling up and they're helping him reach high, I'm like, oh, like ants. I like it. I thought that was great. But when you've got you've got new characters, man. The, yeah, go on. One positive is this movie really embraces ants. Oh, it really that does. Yeah, it does. Coming to the end with <laughs> Hank and his army of ants. Like this, this mean, movie is ants. <laughs> it's not trying to keep from you what's going to happen next. Like, do you know what I mean? It it is predictable, but that's okay because it is a fun, expensive, superhero comedy. You know, he's doing all those things. But when you've got Hank Pym and every now and then, like Douglas is like holding his hearing aid and he's like, what's that? What's that? And in the audience, you're thinking, maybe it's the ants that are going to rescue you at the end of the film. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what it ended up being. But that's okay, though. That's okay. I mean, there's lots of moving parts. But the new character, Veb, I thought was just hilarious. The slime-like creature that lives in the quantum realm. David 
Dutch Million. He's not back as his original character, Kurt, who he played in the first two films, but here he's got a brand new character. And he just, he wants holes. And he's interested in, <laughs> in holes. And it does get silly. I mean, I, I'm saying Guardians of the Galaxy vibes. This movie gets a lot sillier, I think, than Guardians of the Galaxy did scene in particular yeah, and it's a battle does. scene where there's there's like stakes and characters are dying but then you've got veb running and it's just ridiculous like the, the way the character runs it's it's very very silly and uh, other new characters william jackson harper as quaz settle down everybody he's not mr fantastic <laughs> That's who most people <laughs> speculated he was going to be when he joined yeah. the cast. But he's, he's, a, he's a fun character, and there's, there's jokes. This film has a lot of jokes. But um, again, I I was pleasantly surprised, just like those first two films. And they were co-written by Paul Rudd. Not this movie, but the first two films were. But it still feels a continuation of those films. It helps that the jumping off point was San Francisco and you've still got Paul Rudd, who you've got to think is going to be doing a fair amount of ad-libbing. Like the script's the script, but there's I mean, so much of him still in his character. I, I feel like Paul Rudd is doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting. And look, I've got a lot of positives to say um, of this film, so, so don't jump to too many conclusions. But like, like I was saying, like the... The comedy is still there. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff with, like, the goofy new characters and the whole quantum realm, like, you know, at, again, in that first half of the film, when they get to the quantum realm, I was like, I kind of just sat there and was like, what is, what is happening? Like, this is so bizarre and weird. Am I enjoying this? Do I like this? I don't know. And I guess because of that feeling, I felt very uneasy until a certain character <laughs> popped up and I was like, okay, this is, this is good. But like what Paul Rudd's doing and, and that comedy and stuff, that's all still there. And that feels so true to the character that we've known. He's doing so much of the heavy lifting, like without, like if they were, if they were to say, look, in this movie, we're just going to focus on Wasp and, you know, Hank and, and like Janet, they're just going to go on an adventure. Whoa, this would be a, this movie would be missing something huge. I mean, it's already missing a big comedy element, and that's, you know, like Luis and the ex-cons from the first two films. Like, I couldn't help but just feel that emptiness from them. Yeah. But there was definitely still enough familiar sort of humour and stuff about this movie that, that it did feel of the same in that regards. It's just sort of... I guess like setting, just having this movie completely in the quantum realm and I guess what we had seen of the of the quantum realm previously, you know, this mysterious thing, it's this, it's been this very dangerous, scary, like place where you just be lost. And it's like when they get sucked in there, I know it's a different method of how they get sucked in, but it's like, it was kind of like Jumanji. It was like, oh, cool. They're just, they're in there now and they're running around and they're interacting with, you know, the, inhabitants up there and it's all a different you know different random bunch of characters and it's all just wacky and they're wearing goggles and flying on things it's just like what the shit are we watching yeah it's so bizarre i don't know it, it is and it's, so and it's very different weird you know 
talking about missing characters, it wasn't until maybe the next day that I realized, oh, Luis wasn't in this film. I, I didn't know. <laughs> you obviously didn't feel no. You didn't feel the absence. No, I mean, no, nah, I, I didn't. I was in, I was enjoying the the new characters, the return characters that we did get with Ant Man. What I did appreciate his his suit has been altered to include the classic chest pattern from the comics. So even though he did look comic accurate to begin with, they've leaned more more into it, which you know Marvel has been doing over the last thirty films or so, really getting more oh, comic accurate accurate costumes. Michelle Pfeiffer, um, so she, well, not Michelle Pfeiffer, um, her character of Janet, she was in the quantum realm for, what, 30 years? We know for a fact that at some point she hooked up with Lord Kryler, the Bill Murray character. I mean, I'm kind of under the impression she also hooked up with Kang. But 30 years, it is <laughs> it's a very long time. But it was fun to have Bill Murray here. And it, it's kind of like, it almost feels like a, like a SNL sketch. Like, yeah, he stops by the he's studio, he's got his scene, one scene. Yep. that's it. Exit stage left, yeah, yeah. that's it, he's gone. I mean, I feel like I found more enjoyment from the scene following where it was you know like it was the family and you know like addressing the fact that you know janet sort of she's lived a life inside the quantum realm and you know she has needs and stuff and it's you've just got you know hope just sort of she reverts to like a child where she's just like like this is disgusting stuff like you're my mom you know like you know this is feeling awkward I don't, I don't know that dynamic i'm like yeah it's like this is the family yeah weirdness that i'm i'm all i'm here for yeah me too and and that that but then, all works and then, yeah. but then things just get weird because michael douglas just keeps putting his hands into the gooey controls of the ship <laughs> then, it really finally embraces it but then yeah later on when, I, I mean that got a chuckle out of me later on where he's just like i'll fly yeah and, he's and then just, he's like, so confidently doing it. i'm like He's straight into it. Yeah, I felt like at that point I just had to give up and go. Okay, <laughs> like we are, we're just we're doing this, aren't we? If we are, yeah, we're fully committing to this. You know, talk talking about hope. Now, in in that first movie, she was clearly the better candidate to wear a dad's suit. At the end, we get teased the wasp suit. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp, it was like, oh, wow, it's the first time that a female character's got a name in the title of the movie. And she was doing almost as much as he was in that sequel. And then this film happens, she takes a backseat. Like, you're right, she gives those knowing looks to her mum. She stands <laughs> quietly beside her dad for a while. She's got that great pixie haircut, which really resembles wasp from the yeah, comics looks looks great like she does look great no, but, but that I mean, but a lot of the time she is just there i mean she gets that moment you know we're talking third act where she does come back to rescue scott which is a yeah, good moment the two title characters together in the final fight yeah of course she but fires the like, stingers uh, a few times is is definitely sort of just delegated to sort of second tier there. I almost feel like, I mean, 
in a way, it, it's good because we've got Ant-Man is still our our lead, our title character. He's the character that we're following and obviously the relationships and the characters that revolve around him. I, I feel like the Ant-Man and the Wasp like title almost feels just obligatory because it's like, well, we can't drop her. That would be rude, <laughs> like from the title. It doesn't feel like that second movie, or unlike that second movie, this doesn't feel like an Ant-Man and Wasp movie. This feels like Ant-Man 3 with his supporting characters. Um, Ant-Man and Cassie, Quantumania. Ant-Man and Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, um, I'm surprised here with, with Cassie. We have a new Cassie. I mean, it's the same Cassie, but new actress. So the actress that played the aged-up version because of all the time shenanigans with the blip and all that kind of stuff um, from Avengers Endgame has been replaced. Um, Catherine Newton. You might know from that Pokemon movie that you loved. Um, Freaky. Uh, that That's where I know oh, her. Freaky. Freaky. That, yeah. is a, that is an excellent I film. I was unsure with her. I mean, she's definitely uh, a very, like, she's, a, she's an attractive, cute actress, that you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Is she going to fill these shoes? What are they going to do with their character? In the trailer, you see shots of her like coming out of like a jail cell, and you're like, oh, okay, she's just gonna be this moody, broody, like attitude filled, rebellious teenager type kind of character. Not really at all. Like she's she's in there for reasons related to standing up for the people, helping people, you know, like a lost pretty much because of like the blip and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, glad they're still talking about that because that's still a relevant thing her character is actually quite delightful in this movie i kind of like i actually enjoyed what she was doing and the relationship between scott and her i thought you know with the movies with the mc movies that have you know come out in the past couple years it has sort of seemed a little bit of hey we've got a younger version of the superhero almost as a replacement in case something was to happen it's they've all got kids every every Hero has a kid. Well, he so always had a kid, on. though. Like, she was, you know, he had a young kid in that first movie. Yeah. So, and that was, for me, like another point of difference for Ant Man that he was a parent. But you're right, whether it's Thor, Iron Man, they all got kids later on. Hulk on the She Hulk TV show. Just, these... like, just like all that, she's in a suit. She's yeah. in a suit. She is an ant character. <laughs> but, it, but it works, though. Like that she's been working with who she calls what her grandfather or granddad, which is nice. I thought that was cute. Yeah, that was that nice, was cute, but yeah. they've been working in secret away from Scott. And he's not really been a superhero. Like he's been more of a a celebrity. Like that's that's what he's been doing. He's not doing much of saving um anymore. So that was a turning point for him. But it made sense working with Hank that she would have a suit. And it's not all of a sudden, oh, now she's got a suit. I, it did fit, and it made sense that she'd have it with her in the in the quantum realm. In the comics, are you familiar with, like, do you know what her superhero name is? Not at all. They may change it, but in the comics, she's known as Stature. And like in the movie, she doesn't shrink. She gets big, like her dad. So she takes after him being a uh, giant man. But she is stature because she is tall in in stature. 
So they might they might change up just for that reason. Although, but it works though. I, I mean, it's it's perfectly fine, but it's not as ringy as ringy. Is it's. that's the one yeah 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 that's the one i mean look i mean a bit of nitpicking and obviously i know like hank pym is involved in it but like the movie heavily implies that she's the one that comes up with the with the thing that sends the signal i don't know she it it doesn't imply it tells you like she absolutely does it like it is her and he and he is yeah He's assisting. It yeah. just seems it just seems almost silly now that it's just like ah, everyone's a super genius in some way. Like super genius, noise. superhero. It's the MCU. Uh, that's just that's, that's the world. What they are. That's the world. Everyone has powers, and they're really smart. Um, you know, like you mentioned, like the thing about like um, you know, like Scott not, you know, he's been a celebrity. He's not being a hero. And you know what? This kind of bugged me in the movie. Like they. Especially like there's things that Cassie says to him, you know, like when they're when they're sharing that meal at the start of the movie, and then even when they're in the quantum world and they're dealing with, you know, the the you know the people and they're you know they're in trouble. Where they're talking, you know, she's talking to him about like what are you doing? You need to be doing something more. What you're doing, you know, being a celebrity isn't being a superhero. You're not helping people. That sort of thing. And then later on, it's it's like just because this isn't your fight. It doesn't mean that you know you shouldn't be fighting, like for the people, all that kind of stuff. So what the movie is doing is proposing these questions of a potential story arc for Scott. That okay, what he's going to learn by the end of this movie is that he needs to put himself in a position where he's helping, you know, outside of his own circle, outside of things that are related to him. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. I look forward to watching, you know, Scott put himself out there and do that, but then the movie makes it, it shifts gears and it makes it a story about him literally only fighting because he needs to save his daughter. And I'm like, oh, what was the point of all that setup? And it bugged me. It bugged me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's she's the catalyst. Yeah, that she's what's driving him to start saving people again, like primarily her to begin with. But then, but then he does become Ant-Man again and he is like not just saving her he's saving others as well but yeah but she was his initial initial focus it is just to save her like if she was out of the quantum realm you could assume that he would have just left I know but like the message or the the lesson that he was looking to learn was because of her I don't know it kind of kind of works for me it's muddled it's muddled it's it's well do you know what I I can't believe we've gone for as long as we have Kang is in this movie. Like he's been, you know, they've, they've set him up as like he's the new Thanos. Like he's going to be the next big bad across the MCU. Jonathan Majors. I mean, I'm really liking this guy, and I think a lot of people are as well. Like he's he's <laughs> popping up with more and more things. We're about to get him going up against Adonis Creed in Creed Three. Yeah. I'd, we first saw him actually. Well, we all know this. We saw him at the end of Loki. Not as yep. not as Kang. It was an alternate timeline variant known as He Who Remains, the creator of the time variant. variance authority. Well, they're all yeah, they're all variants, aren't they? That's like the whole thing. Like because of Loki, we get all these yeah. with all variants of Kang. Yeah. 
and again, first introduced uh, 2021. I didn't realize it was that long ago, to be honest. But um, that's uh, when was, we no, it was late. It was late. That's 21. when we. That's when we got Loki. Um, yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, Kang. Yeah. Okay. It works. They in the comics, Kang looks ridiculous. He looks absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. He's got his bright green outfit. He's got his purple headpiece. His blue face they found a way to adapt that to have it look pretty cool kang's facial scars resemble the markings on his mask from the comics his face shield also makes his face appear blue so i thought they did a good job of doing that when we saw he who remains it was a very different performance from majors because that wasn't kang a lot of people got excited but we had to wait until this film until until we got him um yeah and like he he works and like he he's trapped there his people sent him there you find out his people are other variants what did you think did you think he was an imposing threat or well as i said look i've besides like the the opening scene which i enjoyed when we get to the quantum realm the movie got really weird for me and I, I felt very indifferent towards what I was watching and experience. But when Kang is is introducing it, like when we get to the Kang stuff, that's when every scene that he's in, I'm like, I'm like, cool, I'm feeling this. This is this is great. What Jonathan Majors is doing with his character is fantastic. Like the scenes were great. He he seemed like an imposing threat, like the um like the the backstory flashback stuff that we have with him and and you know janet like sort of his whole thing there and the reveal of you know that he's actually a, a bad dude that's been destroying entire timelines it's like that's that's more than thanos ever did you know he's, he's literally destroying through like different versions of trillions of people just over time so i mean there is a big threat there um and then you know like we get you know like the third act the quite brutal sort of one-on-one with with him and him and scott like that you know it's imposing the issue though i think is that you know maybe we'll talk a bit more when we get to all the post-credit scenes and stuff so i won't go into too much now but like the version of kang that we see here even if we enjoy him will we see this version again possibly not so it's sort of like oh, are we gonna are we just gonna keep seeing like getting introduced to a kang maybe someone defeats a version of him that one's dead that one's dead another one comes 10 more come so it's sort of like how is this going to unfold so i've got a few questions there how invested should we be with this version of the character when we see him again it's not necessarily going to be the same so I don't know, but within this movie, I enjoyed his scenes. This is where the, the second half of this movie is definitely far better uh, for me because of all the Kang stuff. It's really difficult with Kang and to know to know where you stand because we're saying that all the all the variants and we do I mean let let's I think let's do it now while while we're talking about it. 
in the mid credit scene, you see the Pharaoh Kang, Ramatut. You see, I mean, there's loads of different versions of Kang. And I I get the impression, as an actor, Jonathan Majors is maybe more interested in that than playing a single big bad. Like, he's doing different accents, voices, and I don't know, like, he just seems like he's really thrown himself into it, and it's probably different than a lot of other roles that has been offered up until this point. He's going to have fun with it, and we're going to have fun watching the different versions yeah. of him. Like, guaranteed. But for me, like, even though I, I wouldn't say, I mean, we first saw, you know, again, Loki, he who remains. They're not like, there's only one Kang is how I take it. Like Kang is Kang. And you're going to get all these other characters who look like Jonathan Majors, but they're not necessarily Kang. So I don't think... Kang, who we're introduced and we see get defeated in this movie, is gone. I do think that's who it's going to be. I don't think it's just going to be another one of the variants now taking up the mantle and being Kang the Conqueror. I'm not... I I, I want to agree with you and say, yeah, because that would be ideal, but, I mean, nothing indicates that at all it's hard to it's it's hard to know because even in the comics it's been different don't know it's 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 not it's it's ambiguous he could be dead he might not be he might have just been zapped to the i don't know does the quantum realm have like a quantum realm does it just keep getting smaller i don't know but it's it's hard it's hard to know because yeah it really is hard to know who's, mm. who's the kang that they see uh you know in the in the scene with Loki and uh, Mobius. Is it Mobius? It is. It's Mobius and Mobius, played by Owen Wilson. <laughs> Didn't expect to see him, so that was... And just the look of, like, worry on Loki's face, that was cool to see. When when he's he's seen Kang, or... I mean, again, Kang's confusing. Like, we're talking about introducing all these new heroes. Like, you do have a team in the comics, Young Avengers, and you've got Hulkling, Wiccan, uh, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. You know, a lot of these characters have been introduced already, like Stature. You know, she's on that team. But also, there's a character named Iron Lad, and it's a teen in an Iron Man costume or Iron Man armor, should I say. But then I think there's a storyline where it's revealed that he is also a Kang. So it, yeah. <laughs> it gets very, very compu- confusing. At least, maybe they can streamline it with these movies and I mean, TV I remember, appearances. I remember when we were watching Endgame, and when you step back and think about it, and again, this is so simple compared to the whole Kang stuff, but it's like the Thanos that they fight with the big, you know, portals battle and stuff is not the Thanos that actually, you know, snapped everybody away. Like, because they, they killed that Thanos at the start of that movie. And then it's actually a Thanos from like four years earlier or six, whatever it was. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And it's like, in a way, it's like, ah, oh, so, so that was sort of the first time we're, we're dealing with a, a, a character that we're invested in, but it's actually technically a different version of that character that things that we saw unfold, all the development that happened in Infinity War actually wasn't necessarily anything to do with this version of the character. 
it's it's okay and it still worked and if anything it was a more dangerous thanos that we got with the kang thing again if they if they do go down the path of okay, this kang that we got in this one he's gone now and uh you know we're going to get versions of that but it will be a different thing it that could either become really cool or really tiresome or just disengaging because we're going to have to sort of disconnect but then also reintroduce every time and but look they might pull it off it might yeah i get it i get what you're saying again because he's a pretty cool character he is but if he can be defeated and then just reappear and like oh i'm kang from 10 minutes ago or i'm kang from (laughs) from next week and i can just (laughs) keep moving yeah I don't know, but we we get a a really good villain in Kang here, and in an Ant Man movie of all places, like that's where they decide to introduce, like again, like next to Thanos, like he's one of Marvel Comics' big bads. I thought maybe they would have waited until a Fantastic Four movie, but I guess Doctor Doom is going to be the big bad there. But but we we get him here. Besides Kangba, there's another villain of sorts in this film, Modoc. You've seen him in the trailers, the big thing with the big head and the little arms. You know, there was that television cartoon thing that came out in uh, recently, I don't know, a couple years ago, whatever. I wasn't a fan, I don't know. But he's a pretty wacky character. Pretty wacky character, pretty interesting to see on screen. And when, I'll admit, when he did arrive on screen, I was like, kind of giddy. I was like, this is just crazy bonkers, but in a positive way. Up until the reveal of who's under the mask. Darren. Bloody Darren. So uh, Corey Stoll. Am I saying his name right? Corey yeah, Stoll. he's he's back. Darren Cross from Ant-Man 1, Yellow Jacket. So as it turns out, it's revealed that he was essentially sent to the quantum realm. His sizing was all disfigured, so he's got like a big head and all that kind of stuff. He's been like reworked, retooled, turned into this this Modoc. This what's the what's the anagram stand for? Machine oh, organism, mechanical organism designed only for killing. I killing, do like yep. the joke about that's actually Modoft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that in my head. I was like, oh, the F should be acknowledged. But, like, look, there's some funny stuff with it. And especially at the end where it's like, does that mean I'm an Avenger now? And it's like, uh, yeah, as he's dying. And he's touching his face. It, Big it laugh. was funny. Big yeah, it, yeah but, definitely. My screening as well. But I've got to say, the visuals on him, the 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 chat like, just god awful like literally some of the it was like it's like when you when you when you're watching a movie and you the aspect ratio is wrong and suddenly it's like oh it's like zoomed in too far and it's like kind of overflowing the screen that's what it was that's what his head was like it did look pretty bad the the quantum realm like all of its high concept colors shapes and all of that but you can kind of go with it but your brain won't let you accept the visual or <laughs> yes. the Modoc. But it, it, I, look, it, uh, it works. A talking space raccoon, I'm all there. Like a tree. A, a I know, tree, but that, that's good I'm visuals. But, it, it is the this, visuals, I, the stretched face. It just didn't work. And I didn't believe 
what I was seeing. It just seemed like a, a digital monstrosity. It was just real. But look, having said that, look, there there are some cool visual stuff. Like, you know, we talked about like the probability scene thing. Like, that was pretty, pretty wacky, looked pretty good. When we're actually in the quantum realm, like, visually speaking, it did feel kind of cheap. Like, not to the level of, I know, like, comparisons have been out there of, like, Spy Kids. I mean, it's not that bad. But, look, I, for the most part, it did feel like they were on a set. They were doing something. And, look, the practical stuff is is what it is. But, I mean, like, the CGI, because it's very, it's a very CGI-heavy film. The Quantum Realm, all that kind of setting. Like, it wasn't top-notch. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst, but it just wasn't really, like, I never at any point did I feel like they were in the, I, I felt like they were on a stage putting I mean yes it and looks then like, you throw in a character like Modoc it looks like they like, are standing on a stage the visuals but I went with it because it's somewhere different that we've not been to in the MCU before or not spent a lot of time it's the quantum realm it's just it's how it looks but I agree Modoc. I mean I do you know what I forgot it was in it because I was staying away from, you know, again, seeing those early trailers. <laughs> I completely forgot Modoc was in it. And then when you see him and it's revealed that it's actually Darren, it didn't necessarily look like uh, Corey Stoll. Like, I know the stretching his face because, you know, that's the that's the visual for Modoc. But it wasn't until the end credits that I saw his name. Oh, he actually did come back. It actually is. It, it was interesting having him be like Cassie, like it said early in the film. Like when she was a kid, like the boogeyman was in her room and tried to kill her. And then her being the one that has to confront him was pretty cool. But yes, as a visual, when when the the metal, like the the mask, when the plating came down and it looked like Modoc from the comics, and you didn't see Corey Stoll's stretched face, visually looked that better. works. It bet it's better. Yeah, it's still not well, great, but it's- I agree. I agree. Like Modoc, whenever you see his face, is visually one of the weak points for the special effects. But Modoc was always going to be a tough character to pull off in live action, and I think the best the best place to try and pull it off is the quantum realm, and that's what they <laughs> and that's what they do. You can just stay there, just stay there, so we can forget about him. All right, well, not necessarily in the right order. We've talked post-credit scenes. We've gone back and talked Modoc, but I think we're there. I think we are at the rating. If you're going to rate this film out of five, it's it, it, another another bloody tricky one. I did find myself enjoying quite a lot of this movie. Funny bits. Um, certain things they were doing, the stuff with Kang. There's some good stuff in this movie. Overall, though, I I just, you know, walking out of this movie, it was just sort of like, what the hell did we even just watch? Like, this is such a weird, bizarre movie, and maybe that can be a positive. But for me, they just, just watch this. By the end of it, I was just like, I don't know. There was just a lot that wasn't working. It was it was so strange. Um, I don't know. Like, and then just visually, there's just so many visuals that just weren't that strong. I'm gonna be pretty. I think I'm gonna just come middle ground with this, which is pretty. Um, 
pretty out of the blue for a, for an MCU film. 2.5 out of 5. Wow. Which might be a bit harsh, <laughs> but I just feel like, look, the laughs are what they are. They're funny. I can see myself if I watch this again, I bet the laughs won't hit as much as they did purely because it was sort of just like in the moment but knowing things are, are going to happen I, I i don't see them landing again so I'm, I'm being pretty yeah i'm being pretty i guess like reserved with my rating there so yeah 2.5 out of 5 wow i mean yeah i'm generally generally surprised at how low you've come there but you've made some good points to to back the reason why with my oh. rating <laughs> with my rating i don't like to just throw around fives and oh, no, i'm kidding this is not a five <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but you know what i'm gonna i'm just gonna go on my my enjoyment like my enjoyment of this film i agree the visuals at times really don't work the, the jokes land for me and I do think repeat viewing, they're going to land again. Like Paul Rudd is great as Scott Lang, Ant-Man, the supporting actors. Ah, there's so much to like about this, about this movie. You know, the film finished. I got in the car, Spotify. I drove home to the score, which I thought was great. And oh, the score. Oh, who did? Oh no, who did? Because I remember like, thinking at the time, but I really enjoyed whenever they brought in that first Ant-Man theme. Is it is Christopher? Recognizable. Is it Christopher Yost or Christopher Yost or Christopher Christoph Young? Beck. Oh, Christoph Beck. Oh, <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, ballpark. Christoph Beck. I was <laughs> impressed that they they kept the same composer. Peyton Reed directed all three. I don't know. It, it, yeah, the, the score really works for me. So I was driving home to that. Anyway, four out of five. It is a four. And I know it's only February, but it's the first movie that I'd gone to the cinema to watch and just thought to myself when it ended, I could gladly go back in and watch again. I had a lot of fun with this film. And again, expectations and just excitement level. I went in thinking, Two out of five. You went far off with your two point four or two point five out of five. I can be very specific. Two point four, if you if you want. No, but that's that is great, and it's 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 good that it was enjoyable for you. And look, maybe it was because of your low expectations. You only had room to. It, hey, to listen, go up. It, it honestly caught me off guard, like how much I enjoyed it. And I watched it on a Friday night. Um, a lot of people in the screening. The jokes were landing. It was a great audience, and I had a really, really good time with it. So, yeah, I, God, I can't remember the last time. I mean, especially for a Marvel film, how far apart. I mean, TV, we TV aside, we, we <laughs> that's a whole different. TV's ballpark. different. We, you've we, been you've been having your issues. Films, we're pretty we're pretty on par for the most part with the movies, at least. There we go. Well, as always, we like to close out on some trivia. 
According to screenwriter Jeff Loveness, the MCU incarnation of MODOK was influenced by Kevin Klein's portrayal of Otto from A Fish Called Wanda and Frank Grimes from the classic Simpsons episode, Homer's Enemy. I thought you'd like that, being the Simpsons like that. fan. That's, that's funny. That is funny. Loveness based the dynamic between the fathers and daughters in the film on the father-daughter films Father of the Bride and Hook from 91, the Steven Spielberg movie. I'm getting I, Father I of the Bride. Oh, Father of the Bride. You've maybe. That's there. Two couples, father, daughter. I'm getting that. Um, but Hook, great film. I don't know. I guess go into another world. Maybe that's what that was. Just um, forget the last thing I said and just go back to the the Simpsons connection I made. <laughs> I mean, the movie was more like 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 Strange World more than anything, you know, like Journey to the Center of something. <laughs> well, maybe he's not seen that. He's just seen Father of the Bride and Hook. We don't know. Like literally, his comparisons are: there are fathers and there are daughters. <laughs> I can honestly see father of the bride, but anyway, we don't need to get into that. Oh, look, the the Frank Grimes thing, like that's pretty, that's pretty funny because that is kind of like what they what they did there, just sort of like a someone's just screwed over by like just just by chance. But you know what? It's another example of like you have a villain in one movie, and then when they return they kind of turn them into a bit of a joke. The MCU has done that before with some particular characters. Well, I think we've done it. I think we've reviewed it. I mean, we can keep going if you want. <laughs> no, that's fine. Moved on. But yeah, Modoc, terrible. Anyway, that's it for our... Gonna have to cut you off. That is it for our review of Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that film studio podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently reviewed You People and Shotgun Wedding. And we recently put out our special episode looking at Chapter 1 of the new DC Universe. We're almost there. Episode 400. We're bringing What back... are we doing? Well, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Let's try and come up with what something. Are we doing? We're bringing back our film, TV, news show. Previously, we'd referred to it as movie show, although it was just as much TV as it was films. So we're going to change a few things, streamline a few talking points, because I think occasionally we can go a little bit long. So we'll have our main we stories. We need to be wheeled in, yeah. Yeah, sure. that's, uh, that's it. But um, yeah, episode 400, um, it's a big one. In the past, I think episode 300, That I think that was a... MCU phase one special or was that 350? It was so long ago. I can't <laughs> I can't honestly remember. But we've not done a movie show since last year. We did have um that period where we were on hiatus. We caught up with a few reviews when we came back, but we didn't bring the movie show back. And we kind of figured let's make some changes, 
and relaunch it with episode 400. And there we go. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film stew season. <laughs>